What's up, guys, and welcome back to the only FC Dallas podcast that uploads on an Olympic schedule, the Sad FCD Fans Podcast. <laughs> I'm your host, Matt Duell. I'm joined by, uh, I think I remember their names, uh, my buddy Joe, who I, I, I do see regularly since we play soccer together. But, Joe, how's it going? Uh, pretty good. Staying warm during the, you know, I guess it's a yearly thing that it snows now. But, yeah, just I'm, I've been good. I've been good. How about you guys? Yeah, Walter, how's it going, man? Hey, not too bad. How's it going with y'all? I don't get to see y'all as often. It makes it a little sad. <laughs> I think the last time I saw you was on this podcast last <laughs> May. Which we were just discussing. It uh, was in May. Last year. <laughs> yeah. I believe it was in May of 2021. Um, so we'll make sure that if the next time there is another ice storm, we'll get another podcast out for you guys. So... Be on the lookout in February of 2023. Uh, well, uh, let's see. Has anything happened since we last recorded? Uh, <laughs> only a half of the season about. and quite the off season. We're not going to get into last season too much just because it was so long ago that, you know, really what is there to say? Uh, this... I'm almost in a good mood. I don't want to talk about <laughs> yeah. depressing things. The season wasn't very good, I think, is a very nice way of putting it. And uh, so let's just kind of forget that happened. But season ends, obviously no playoffs for FC Dallas. And uh, before you know it, the winter transfer window is coming around the corner. And we all knew the talk was mainly going to be about old Ricardo Pepe and where would he end up or if he would stay. Obviously, there was talks that that FC Dallas intended to keep him. Um, I figured it was always a bargaining tool or just you know negotiating tactic of trying to get teams to blow him away with an offer uh walter did you actually think that fc dallas had any intention of keeping ricardo pepe for another year absolutely not not if somebody's going to be offering you 20 million um you know we we had been saying it from you know the previous season that we were thinking he was going to be on his way out anyway um and of course mls young player of the year will uh, kind of boost that as well. I think it got to the point where, you know, FC Dallas probably would have kept him if it was maybe somewhere around 5 to 10 mil, but you can't pass up 20 mil. Yeah, that's actually what I was going to ask. If you thought it, if it was like, say, 10, 11, 12, Joe, do you think they that uh, they would have stuck to their guns and actually kept him around for another year if the offers were, say, 10, 11 million? Or do you think they still would have let him go? Yeah, I think the the issue, not the issue, but the 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 part of the reason why they did let him go was just the price tag. I, I think their 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 talk or their hype of keeping him was mostly on the contingency of whether it was like an eight or nine million dollar bid. But when somebody just comes out here and says, "Hey, we'll give you like a truck full of cash," you know, you got to take it and run. So, I actually did. I do think that they are um, wild enough to try to keep him around, but. Due to all the circumstances, it just wouldn't have made sense if they did keep him. So I'm glad that, you know, both parties won where, you know, we got to see him go and they got to see a, a bunch of cash come in. Yeah, um, well, if it was a negotiating tactic, it sure as hell worked because uh, <laughs> I don't think yeah. any of us realistically expected $20 million. I mean, we kept hearing the, ter- the you know, the $15 million number thrown around as kind of what they wanted and maybe where they would be forced to sell him. That was like their target, you could say. And we were hearing that the offers weren't quite there, but they were close. Like, I think I remember hearing like 13 million and stuff like that. And that's when it was pretty borderline. Like, uh, I think they'll 
they'll probably end up letting him go. But then it seemed like just out of nowhere, reports came out of, oh, Augsburg are offering $20 million for him. And uh, most FC Dallas fans, of course, only know Augsburg because that's where we sold Carlos Guerrezo uh, a couple years ago. And uh, $20 million for them, a team that's you know in, the, in a relegation battle in the Bundesliga, for reference, just as how just to how much money that is for them, I believe their previous club record transfer arrival was about eleven million. So they almost doubled it for Ricardo Pepe, which is insane. And yeah, like you guys both said, FC Dallas would be dumb to turn down twenty million for an eighteen-year-old who's played you know one season really as a consistent, not even a whole season as a consistent starter. So. 20 million. I think we could all agree he's not worth 20 million, right? Just, I mean, I don't think he is. The whole value thing, it's so much is just based off of, you know, promise and potential to where, I mean, I guess you could easily say, and, you know, we hear this with anything, when anytime you question value of anything, it's, it's as, as much as someone's willing to pay, that's what your value is, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for, for a team in, in a relegation battle, like you said, who, uh, you know, wants to buy one of the hottest you know, strikers in his league or forwards in his league, then yeah. I suppose 20 million is not that bad. Yeah. I mean, and the, and just, it's all circumstantial, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's, you can get it, you can dip into the U S market by getting an a really hot American, just like Chelsea did with Pulisic. You can also pay, you can, you're buying potential and you're also paying a premium because he's a striker. Mm-hmm. Um, there are also really weird, like fan rumors or just kind of like, um, people speculating that this was backed by a team like Bayern Munich, like how they used to yeah. do for, for Dortmund, where they, they have a smaller club pay all this money for these potential players. They develop them, they play them there, they keep them up in the first division. And then Bayern has a deal later on with them. So maybe that's kind of one of those things where Augsburg weirdly got $20 million in a rele- relegation battle to buy one player. But, I mean, you're still buying all the other factors of him being 18, American, and a striker, so... Either way, like, I mean, I wish him well, and I really want him to succeed. But, dude, twenty million just coming inside for SC Dallas is insane. Yeah, it's twenty million is definitely game changer money for uh, for most MLS teams and most clubs, but especially a team like FC Dallas that runs on a the only money going out is money that comes in. You know, FC Dallas wasn't gonna say they didn't sell Pepe. They wouldn't go spend seven million dollars or eight million dollars on a player. You know, they they needed money coming in from sales to all of a sudden start spending money. But uh, yeah, like, Joe, you made a good point. Like, I think a lot of it is striker tax and being eighteen years old and uh, someone who's kind of becoming a regular for a national team and having a had a good season domestically. And uh, yeah, I think we are at a point now where there is a bit of an American tax. You know, we've heard about it before with like an English tax in the Premier League where, you know, you see guys like Jack Grealish go for or Harry Maguire go for amounts that seem way too high. But there's a bit of an English tax. I think we are reaching a point where there is there is somewhat of an American tax where, you know, I guarantee you that uh, ESPN plus viewership of Augsburg games has gone up by at least. 400% 400% in the last <laughs> yeah. couple of months. And they, they do have an owner who actually is, I think, part owner of uh, Salt Lake, Real Salt Lake's new ownership group, I believe, is a part owner of Augsburg. So they have an American owner who came in and was ready to spend some cash and probably ready to get in the American market. And like you guys said, there's not many 
hotter uh hotter prospects really in a lot of parts of the world but especially in america than ricardo pepe so you know best of luck to him uh it's gonna be a tough battle for him if you guys have watched them play it's not exactly a team that creates chances left yeah, and right great. uh he's gonna he's gonna get maybe one or two chances a game he's just got to be got to be lethal with them and he's going to be doing a whole lot of defending and dirty work it's it's uh it's definitely going to be a change for him i think as you can see if you've watched him play but uh best of luck to uh ricardo pepe i know uh we're all pulling for him regardless of your national team preference but as fc dallas fans i think we we all understand the value in a guy leaving here and performing well in europe and how that in the future might look for uh the next kid who's here and killing it other teams might think oh damn 20 million doesn't sound too crazy now if if look at what peppy's doing plus you know that sell-on check might be nice yeah any uh and can i have yeah, one go more for small it. thing um you just kind of if you if you look around and you kind of pay attention there is an mls market nowadays especially in this transfer mm-hmm. window where you see a lot of outbound sales to different leagues, whether it was just more established players or even younger players, how Pepe left, but also you see guys like um, the the kid from DC United that's uh, left Paredes, mid yeah. slash left like, go for about seven and a half yeah. million to Wolfsburg. So you're just like, wait, these kind of numbers and these kinds of transfers don't usually happen or trusty to Arsenal or Turner to Arsenal or just literally any of the, the millions of, not millions, but, a lot of transfers that happened during this transfer window outwards mm-hmm. from MLS when we were usually talking about MLS teams buying players. So there just there is a market looking towards this way, and there are connections between, you know, sporting directors that are here in America and sporting directors over in Europe. Yeah, I think that uh, I think Brian Reynolds' sale uh definitely plays a part in it too. When you're talking about a right back who played one season getting eight million, you know, to go to Serie A, yeah. I think it's pretty easy for FC Dallas to say, well, look, if we sold a right back who's played you know only a couple seasons at that position for eight million there's no reason we couldn't get 15 million plus for a striker who's a regular for the u.s national team and had a great season here but uh yeah so 20 million is the final number and uh really the next big question going into this offseason was uh who was going to be the new coach of fc dallas obviously uh marco ferruzzi didn't quite do enough to keep his uh his turn his interim title into a full-time head coach um eight games or something like that eight or nine and Uh, they won one and it was against austin so shout out to austin for giving us half of our wins this season um (laughs) verde black verde black we don't say negro because it makes us uncomfortable um (laughs) i mean like we all know that's why they don't say it, right? Like, there's oh no. Oh my god! They could have gone with, you know, uh, let's see, what would the opposite of verde black be? It would be what? Green and negro, and they're like, no, we're not doing that. Only one of these words makes us uncomfortable. So, there's a large German population in Central Texas. Why not go with German? There you go. Yeah, sure. I think is is Fredericksburg close to there, or am I yes. just being weird? Yeah, about an hour yeah. or so. It's probably yeah, like the so. closest major city. Yeah. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, with who was going to be the new coach? Well, it turns out FC Dallas went and got the assistant coach of the U.S. national team, Spanish coach. Young, I guess he's 
I, th- I guess he would be the second youngest coach in MLS now. I think uh, Gonzalo Pineda for Atlanta is slightly younger than him. But Nico Estevez was named the new Estevez. coach. I think he prefers Estevez because he's Spanish and the accent's over the second E. Is it how really? Yes. Estevez is, uh, you're thinking of the Mighty Ducks. <laughs> what? It's Estevez. Anyway, yeah. Uh, that's Spanish people are dumb. No, I'm thinking of the <laughs> Breakfast Club. By the oh way. yeah, or that. Yeah, Emilio Estevez. Yeah, pick pick whichever one. I'm thinking of a uh, two and a half men. Um, wait, that's his brother. Uh, <laughs> Nico's coming in, and uh, you know we've heard a lot of talk about new era for FC Dallas when they hired him, and I think I think all of us, even the more optimistic FCD fans, were a little eye rolling at. All the new era talk. We're like, okay, we'll see. And um, so, what were what were y'all's initial reactions when you heard they were hiring Nico Estevez as the new head coach? Joe, you can go first. Uh, literally, I think just how I just answered, I was like, uh, okay, yeah, interesting. Because at the same time, it it sounds it sounds really cool because you look at his background and he has worked at Valencia and he has. Um, worked under the national team for a while now but then you look at it and you look a little bit closer and it's like valencia's b team slash you know coaching the third division almost not even not even mls level coaching essentially Mm -hmm. and he he isn't the head coach of the national team either he's just kind of he's one of the coaches of the national team so you kind of come with your doubts but at the same time it's a little bit different we thought it was going to be a coaching tree hire Mm -hmm. And I kind of just went into it thinking that way. And, you know, like you said, like it was this new era, this new era. But this hire was before all of the signings. And at, and at that point, I think we were all just kind of like, eh, it's going to be the same old offseason as always. So I after looking at it for a while, I'm optimistic. But then again, I kind of get optimistic because the season is closer. You're just excited. Getting closer to start. <laughs> I'm just excited. Exactly. So I really don't know what to think. And this is one of those hires where it's, it's kind of like all of our signings where if the the potential is there to be great, it could be. And if it isn't, then it could just fail like it has in the past. So that's kind of where I'm saying. Walter, uh, who are you realistically expecting to be the coach of FC Dallas going into this season? Um, I, I mean, I, I really didn't, I really didn't have any prospects, really, because, like, of course, everybody wants a Bob Bradley or a Bruce mm-hmm. Arena or, you know, and, and we kind of knew that Bob Bradley was maybe on his way to Toronto. Um, I was hoping for Miguel Herrera, but, you know, that cost a lot of money. And that he's too much of a personality. I think he would oh, man. too many fines in MLS, I think. Imagine him um, trying I, to deal with the hunt ownership. That would be fun. <laughs> oh man, give him a run for the money. Um it uh, Joe hit hit the points. Um you you know, go over to Wikipedia and look at his it is coaching history and it's not anything top tier. Uh, top flights or anything like that. I mean, that's not to say that you kind of scoff and say, oh, well, he was just an assistant coach, you know, for the U.S. program um, or the U.S. men's national team. Um, but it's it's not any roles of responsibility. Now he's being burdened with this responsibility. He's under the microscope now. He's in view week in and week out. Um, you know, we kind of saw that with Lucci. But we, we all knew Lucci was kind of a um, – what do we like to call a, a, a nepotism hire? 
kind of thing where it was the next logical step of you know somebody that had been working for the organization mm -hmm. for a long time so at least that much is a is a is a welcome change and and we'll touch on this here in a little bit but you know having somebody you know from the u.s men's national team has now paid dividends in a sense yeah um you know with acquisitions like i said we'll talk about that in a second but like i really didn't i thought it was just probably just going to be eric quill and yeah. just move him on up which would have been the next logical step but you know uh, a change is welcome but i mean it, it's it's you look at the influx of of coaches that all these other mls teams are getting in it's you know it's it, the, the competition is rising yeah um i i think i think most people who have followed this team for a decent amount of time expected either Eric Quill or maybe even like a Peter Lucene type to get the job just because they do like to keep it in house with those, with these kind of hires. Um, and I mean, I think my big, really my only other like big hope or like, I don't even think it's really like a, like a dream I would say was hoping that maybe they could lure um, the Bazan brothers back to Dallas that maybe uh, Josema was ready for a head coaching gig, you know, Oscar's lead assistant. And then his brother was the one who was the fitness coach with the long hair that everyone loved because he was just an absolute madman. And I think he got fined or suspended multiple times for, for getting into it with refs and also being the, the ball boy at the end of the game and just running out in the field and kicking the ball away and throwing the ball out and stuff. I was kind of hoping maybe they could get him to come because uh fabian bazan is was was one of the best uh fitness coaches around i thought you know we could get two for one there but but whenever i was really just excited that they went out of the family if you want to say that like I'm, i was excited that it was an outside name more than anything and i think as the rest of the the off season with other teams filling their coaching vacancies happened you i've definitely felt a lot better about the nico hire whenever you look i've got the list here so you mentioned bob bradley he left LAFC. Um, I think we all saw that coming. The writing was kind of on the wall, and he joined and joined up his son in Toronto. And that's another thing I think everyone saw coming. Yeah. So to replace him, LAFC got Steve Chirundolo, who is a legend of U.S. soccer. Uh, you know, he's been considered like one of the hotter coaching prospects in U.S. soccer for years. He was coaching LAFC's second team, and they had an absolutely awful season under him i want to say i forgot how many games they lost in a row i think it was like 11 and the, during their season they were terrible but i don't know it's hard for me to really judge results of reserve teams and stuff like that too much just because you know like development is the main goal over wins and losses you know like if you're coaching a team like 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 the valencia b team or whatever or you know north texas soccer club the main thing they want to see is young players developing, hopefully for the first team more than they want to see. You're like, we got to win. We got to win USL league one, or like Joe said, you know, get promoted to the second division. Because if you have a player who's playing really well, the odds are he's probably going to be gone and up to your first team. And a lot of the guys you get may be guys coming down from the first team who are just pissed to be there in the first place. So it's kind of a crap shoot results wise. Uh, hold on. Let me look at on those. Houston hired, uh, Sporting Kansas City 2 coach uh, Paulo Nagamura who was another, if you're familiar with MLS going back years, was a good player uh -huh. 
um, Chicago hired Ezra Hendrickson, who was apparently one of the one of the candidates who did interview for the Dallas job. Um, he was an assistant for Columbus. Uh, Cincinnati hired Pat Noonan, who I believe was an assistant for New England. Um, and then, you know, like Vancouver and RSL both kept their interim coaches from last year, both of whom very much deserved the full-time gig. I mean, freaking who had Salt Lake making the Western Conference Finals yeah. <laughs> or Vancouver making that run at the end of the season to, I believe they made the playoffs. Pablo Mastro, any magic. Yeah, so... Looking at those those names of who was hired, it's got to make you feel a little bit more optimistic about, you know, only one coach, one like position that was filled was for a guy who has already been a head coach in MLS or and really any kind of comparable level. And that was Bob Bradley. So does that does that list make you guys feel a little bit better in hindsight as to who FC Dallas hired? Yeah, yeah, it kind, it kind. Sorry, uh, it kind of reminds me of like a Lucci hire for multiple different organizations. Yeah. Where sure, maybe it's just it. They don't necessarily keep them in house, but they're um, coaches that are assistants in the MLS system being brought up to coach a full MLS squad. Ugh, I'm so um, mad for Lucci. Yeah, I'm so mad yeah. for him. I feel yeah, you, brother. Yeah. Uh, Before before we get into that point, I do want to add on to this specific hire. Um, FC Dallas already has, you know, like we saw this last international U.S. game connections with the national team. Mm -hmm. But this just kind of solidifies the pipeline even more to where the connections are there, the people are there, the people are talking. And like if if you're going to want like. Your your system is to develop players, get them into the national team, get some national audiences looking at them, and then selling them on. Why not do? Why not get one of the assistant coaches of the national team into yeah. your squad? So yeah, but uh, uh, the, on the hire of Nico, I think we've kind of gone through that. But transfer wise, we can see that there's a definite investment into him than there was in Lucci. So yeah. I uh I think the staff really that Nico's put around him has been what's kind of most impressive to me to where you know like when you look at when the with the Lucci hire Lucci had never even been an assistant at a professional level you know like he had he had he'd never coached grown men and um at least all those other names I was hiring I was naming from other teams that were hired they were all you know assistants in MLS you know so I think that's a much easier step to go from assistant coach and MLS to head coach in MLS than U17, U19 coach to MLS head coach. And uh, this, here's point. the staff that uh, Nico's put together. His, his new assistant coach is Ben Cross, who came from Columbus. You know, Nico was in Columbus before he went to the national team. Greg brought him with him to the national team. So Ben Cross has been with Columbus for a while and was part of their MLS Cup winning team. And he, he comes over here. Did a great uh, rendition of uh, I Will Survive last night, according to Instagram videos of players at their uh, initiation dinner. He had the whole team up and jumping and singing along to that song, which was fun to see grown men from all over the world who all love that song, I guess. I guess it's a universal one. Um, Javier Cabello is an assistant. I believe he was a coaching... So he com- he's coming from... A- Alaves in La Liga. He's been an assistant there since 2017. 
And they also hired a new fitness coach, Miguel Villagrasa. Villagrasa, yep. And uh, and his his resume is pretty impressive. I mean, he's he's had twenty three years as like a trainer and high performance coach, and uh, for Valencia. So obviously, there's the connection to Nico. And uh, I think he's for the last couple of years he's been with the I think it was Elche, and I forget what the other MLS or the other La Liga team, Celta Vigo. Yeah. So he's he's you know he's he's coached at high levels and. I think it kind of speaks to, you know, the things I've heard from everyone around the club is that Nico has just a great energy about him. And he's super likable. And I think that shows that if he's able to convince guys to leave their jobs in La Liga to basically work the same job, you know, it's one thing to leave being an assistant in Spain to come be a head coach in MLS. But if these guys are willing to just go be an assistant in MLS, that shows how much they must like Nico and working with him and believe in whatever he's preaching, you know. So I think that's what's most exciting about Nico is, you know, with with uh, Lucci, it was Lucine who had never coached grown men. You know, Lucci brought his assistant, Mikey Varos, who had never coached grown men. Obviously now uh, Varos is the U-20 national team coach. And who else? Drew Keyshawn was the only one who had any MLS experience. And Keyshawn is still here, so which is good. And he's he's considered one of the best at his job in MLS, so... Got a pretty star-studded uh, assistant staff to where, you know, you see it in the in the NBA a lot with young coaches or player coaches. They like to just build a staff where it seems like you have three or four head coach quality guys, and hopefully that'll work out here and give Nico plenty of uh, different voices and different opinions, and hopefully help out the entire team. So I guess that's enough on Nico. We we've alluded to the uh, transfers, the incoming transfers couple times really the first one that fell into our laps was the uh, addition of nanu from fc porto um feel free to get in your mork and mindy references now i don't know if any of us here are i think we're all under that age uh i was mainly looking at walter i don't know why i said all of us you're the old one here buddy sorry Fuck you. <laughs> uh so yeah he's coming from fc porto uh obviously for a guy like from that kind of team to come here, uh, he did fall out of favor there. He pretty much was their third string right back in the end. Uh, Joe, what were your initial reactions when you saw the uh, the signing of Nanu from Porto? Um, just kind of, you know, excited because it's a new signing and every time there's a new signing, everything's exciting. But then you look at it more and you're just kind of like, okay, so you're going to use an international spot at a right back position and you're going to spend, you know, whatever sizable fee to get him in your at a right back position that felt pretty covered last season. But then you kind of get to the exciting part and you watch his game film or you watch his highlights, whatever you can get on YouTube. And you're like, okay, so this is a guy that springs forward, has pace, can play with both feet, doesn't mind crossing or switching the field with his left foot, doesn't mind attacking, doesn't mind shooting. And so, you know, if you want to look at the positives, obviously we don't know how good he'll be transitioning into MLS, and we don't know how good he'll be transitioning from kind of sort of a backup spot or losing out of touch. And, you know, uh, we can get into it, but he had kind of a a medical injury that kind of stained him out for a while. Um, So overall, you know, it's cool. Um, I think I'm going to be very excited to see him. But I think the good thing is, is that if it doesn't work out, we still have Tuomasi mm-hmm. and or Eddie Munhoma, Munjoma, Munhoma, whatever, however you <laughs> want to say it, 
uh, as you know, depth or the tertiary backup. So, you know, it's it's cool. You know, you you see it and you're like, okay, that's. Cool. It is a loan to buy, which is worth noting, Dory. If he does come in and just absolutely suck, oh well, cut your losses. I think it's a year long yeah. one, so you don't have to play him. You could play him a couple games and he sucks, but oh well. All right, we're gonna we'll roll with Tumasi and then just let him go in a year. Uh, Walter, what were your Nanu reactions? Same thing. It's um wasting not wasting but using an international spot um for somebody you could like a spot you could possibly pick up in free agency or you know on mls waivers um i i'm i'm a big proponent um of getting people that are mls journeymen i know there's kind of like this stigma about them uh about you know set you know a whole bunch of different players in mls that tend to rotate teams pretty frequently like you know about being inconsistent and stuff like mm-hmm. that um but right back i think is one of those positions that we never really filled the void after reggie cannon um and then got who played brian reynolds in that position brian reynolds, brian reynolds yeah. yeah um and, and i mean to 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 go I mean, he's Nanu's an international player. He's he's got international pedigree, but I mean, to to use an international spot on him is questionable for me. Like I said, I just think you know uh, a defender spot in an inter, like using uh, an international roster spot for a defender is. Uh, I mean, there's better better things you could do with that spot, considering they're limited. Uh, but I, I'm like I said, I've always been a big proponent of um, is. Players in that position, especially uh, in the defender position that, you know, know the league or, you know, have leadership qualities or, you know, uh, you could get them on the cheap, which is, you know, uh, FC Dallas's bread and butter at times. If you look at like, you know, a quick look at the free agency pool, uh, we had names like fucking Mikey, uh, Mikey Ambrose from Atlanta. Andy, I mean, Andy Nahar was technically, but like, maybe we yeah, couldn't have gotten him. But Nahar is even like, like Steinfer. for dc yet yeah he's a weird one and yeah um it, but you know those are those are those are the kind of names that you would bring in you know uh in that position but like like joe said it's 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 a new signing it's just one of those it's one of those traditional fc Dallas signings that they have a you know a couple of clips from youtube that they you know cut together and pasted it and i wish i knew more about the guy but who knows maybe he pays out Maybe he pays out. Who knows? Yeah. And then can I just add on a little bit? It, it, it To me, it feels more of like you have a connection in Portugal where, you know, a lot of the agents around there are just kind of like, hey, you know, here's a couple of our players from this this player pool that we have at this agency. Maybe take a look at which ones you would kind of like. Uh, and I'm ultimately a big fan of having a signing like this because, you know, I mean, he is it, when when healthy and his his trajectory was a Champions League level right back because Porto plays in the Champions League, but you then look at like you know the history like uh, Walter was saying the history of FC Dallas and it's like MLS vet right backs like Zach Lloyd, Atiba Harris, and you know um, uh, Watson, and so you just you know these kind of cheaper options that were veteran type guys that you know you could just play for a while and they're really good, and then you let your academy kids come through and break through whenever the time is ready. But, you know, I, so I get both sides of the coin. So how do you ultimately feel about all of this, Matt? I mean, we were spoiled. Like I said, we were spoiled for a while yeah. with, with having Reggie somebody like Reggie Brian. and Brian Reynolds on there. So, I mean, yeah. and, you know, look where they are that's, now. But 
Yeah, I spoke about this last year a lot watching Justin Che played where we really were so lucky to go from Reggie to Brian. So I remember there's even discussions where like, is Brian Reynolds better than Reggie Cannon? Like we were all shocked. We're like this guy is this guy is like putting up performing just as well. Like we were all expecting a pretty like noticeable drop off. But uh and I think that that drop off from Brian Reynolds to Justin Che was very noticeable. Um, and I think that's ultimately why Ima Tumasi ended up winning the spot. I, I think I think Tumasi probably would have been the starter from the get go if he didn't have that. If you guys remember, he had that heart condition in the last off season where for months he he wasn't allowed to do like any sort of physical activity whatsoever. So like he couldn't even jog or anything like that. So he really had to start from you know zero 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 as far as fitness and yeah. you know just rust going then build it up, to build himself up and that's why you saw it was pretty far into the season before he started playing regularly and um i do think he deserves he deserves 100 percent a spot in the rotation on this team and i think that's also why you know we saw fc dallas sign him to a new long-term deal and hopefully he got a you know a decent raise but um i i get the the not loving using an international spot um, I think a lot of people just assume this guy's going to be a backup, and I I don't get that vibe at all. I don't think they would go out and make this move if they didn't see this guy as being a starter, you know. And it, you know, he he lost his spot at Porto. Joe, you talked about the in, the injury. He was a pretty regular player for them before he had a horrific head and spine injury, and uh, the video of it actually went viral. Um, I remember. Like it was one of those injuries where everyone on the field is freaking out and covering their eyes and stuff like that. It even made Pepe, Pepe, sorry, the not Ricardo Pepe, like uh, every oh, announcer God. seems to think. Oh God, um, Pepe, the the Portuguese center back, made him of all people cry on the field. He was so like distraught and just upset about seeing it. But uh, so obviously, when he came back from that, while he was out, a younger player, I believe, stepped up and kind of won that that second spot and so he was out of the picture really completely he only played a couple games for the reserves after that and, and most of his minutes were just coming from uh international games he plays for uh what is it guinea bissau which is not guinea those are different countries i learned that because of this guy what about Papua? is it Papua new guinea no i think that's another different country yeah, pretty sure it's- <laughs> what about equatorial guinea that's another one yeah they have a they have a tournament every year it's just called the guinea classic the, the, the guinea, guinea el guinico um, <laughs> but uh yeah so like it's easy to be like oh well why is he here if like the reason he's here is because he couldn't play for them it's like well yeah if he was starting for them and killing it he wouldn't be open to moving to mls or fc dallas you know and but like there's a reason he was at FC Porto it's because he was playing in that league and played so well before that he was bought by FC Porto you know like he he played for uh he actually played for the team that uh FC Dallas legend Jetterson was playing for <laughs> and by the way he's actually Jetterson actually played really well for that team he just he couldn't do anything in MLS but he was doing well in Liga Nos god and uh so yeah he this guy played well for them and that's why fc porto bought him and and, and, i mean it's not terrible all around he's he's 27 you know he's not some yeah it's not like he's probably gonna be you know yeah he's not some kid that's gonna be mistake prone or anything like that but 
I mean, we're it's just we're already using international spot on another defender. Like, mm, mm, mm. yeah. Anyway, um, I my piece about that. When you watch highlights of him, like Joe mentioned, you know he's he's one hundred percent attack minded, both feet. I with everything I watch now, FC Dallas, I kind of try to relate it to the national team, just because you know that Nico and Greg connection, and I'm it's pretty clear that that's the kind of tactics the FC Dallas are going to use. It's 100%. They want him to be FC Dallas's Serginho Dest, you know, like they want him to be the right back who's flying forward, cutting inside, going down the wing, super involved in the attack. And, uh, you know, obviously he's nowhere near as young as Serginho Dest. But like I said, it's super low risk. You know, it's, it's a loan with an option to buy. There's no obligation. So if he sucks, you don't have to buy him. And then you cut your losses. Yeah, you used international spot for a year, but you know, they've made other moves and they still have international spot available. And plus with the way FC Dallas generates allocation money from sales, like they can easily just trade for those, you know, like, and so I don't think international spots are much of an issue. Um, they still have one more and we'll, we'll get into later maybe where that needs to be used. But the next move we saw come down, you know, there was the rumors of that. It's not even rumors. It was just straight up reports. Everyone in Spain, like, like notable people were saying it was a done deal that they were getting the uh, third keeper from Valencia, uh, Christian Rivero. And then we were all kind of sitting around and we're like, that was a while ago. They're reporting that like, are they ever going to announce that or what? And then all of a sudden you started seeing reports that they were closing in on a deal with uh, a different keeper. And I still don't really know how to say his last name. Pays. He's Dutch. Yeah, so Pais yeah. would be my guess if you. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm going to call him Pais for now. Yeah, Martin Pais. That's what Pais. we're calling him. We're going <laughs> to help him fit in in the locker Martin room. Pais. Um, a Dutch keeper, 23, 18 starts in the Eredivisie this season, which is, you know, he basically start. he was their starter and then lost that spot, like going into the winter break. And uh, so when the, when that came out, I think everyone was a little confused at first. Like, surely they're not going to use two international spots on keepers, right? And then, uh, you know, it, it took a couple of days, but then it became clear that Rivero fell through. So, uh, Joe, are you are you excited for uh, Martin? We'll call him Martin Pias. There we go. Are you excited for Martin Pias? <laughs> I, I am kind of tying it back to the Nanu purchase, you know. I think he's a loan to buy as well. And, you know, yeah. we're, we're kind of always skeptical about these loan to buys, especially from different leagues. And, you know, we're always like, oh, man, what if he's like a, a Freddie Vargas or Felipe? But then you look at it and it's like, you know, Nanu was playing for Porto and actually got an assist last year on like one of the sickest bicycle kicks in the Champions League. <laughs> yeah. And Martin Bias was having, you know, triple save plays against Ajax. It's a little bit different mm -hmm. than, you know, getting a guy from the Venezuelan League or the third string creeper for Gremio. So when I look at, you know, this bias transfer and Nanu's transfer, I'm, st I'm still very, very excited. Um, you know, a 22, 21, 22 year old. I think he's 23. 23, but either way, in, you know, in keeper that's years, still really that's, young. that's extremely yeah. young. Um, if you're able to get, you know, a dozen stars in the Eredivisie and. You're able to do it pretty well. I mean, he was kind of getting pushed out by an older keeper, I believe, but Utrecht isn't necessarily PSV or Ajax in terms of, you know, their talent. 
Um, it's exciting, you know. Uh, you know, we, we need him to just be MLS level, and he has the potential to be even more than that. So, it, it you know, loan to buys are, are buy low, sell high type things. And, you know, uh, Erdev is a keeper, very young, has had good saves, has had good performances in the past. I mean, there's there's not a lot of things that I wouldn't like about it. And then you watch him play, and he looks like a – you or you watch his highlights, excuse me, and you see that he's very spry. He's very um, – quick to make you know he's a shot stopper he's got the cat's paw he knows what he wants to do and so you know i'm pretty excited about it the only thing that i'm a little bit weary is about is that i'm a big jimmy mara fan you know i'm one of his biggest stands i guess in the league uh so you're kind of just saying i guess you know a keeper battle is always a good thing because whoever comes out on top deserves it so we have that going forward um but overall i'm very excited about this walter i know you were you were we were just talking about the using an international spot on a uh, on a defender. I'd imagine you're also not a big fan of using international spots on a uh, the one position that <laughs> for decades Americans have been kind of known for being quality at. Am I right? Yeah, but I mean, um, it's it, it it was kind of you could see FC Dallas learning their mistakes with uh, with Felipe, which. Mm-hmm unfortunately didn't pan out i you know i thought if we maybe gave him a little bit more time he would uh kind of adjust and with with um and, and i'll touch this here in a second uh you know with with the open cup and more competitions coming back into play now with um the united states kind of downplaying the COVID situation a little bit in terms of <laughs> soccer um i i i like felipe and it's it sucked to see him leave and um, you know, that was going to be one of those uh, buy low, sell high kind of situations. I see that right now, too. But uh, it's not a terrible, you know, backup keeper kind of situation. It sucks, again, like you said, that you were using an international spot for him, but that probably means that they're very high on him. Um, goalkeepers are immortal, and Jimmy's only 33. <laughs> so it's one of those things where I don't see that angle, but. Um, with more competitions and stuff like that uh, coming into play, you know, we're going to want to rotate our players out more often. Um, it's going to, you know, traveling is always tough. It's always good to have a backup. It's good to create competition. So um, I'm good. I'm good on it. Um, you know, I, will... I, I don't know what more I can say. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, um... it's, 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 it's a, it's a Dutch European, you know, goalkeeper playing in a, very respectable league known for its you know development. youth development yeah. and so um i will similar to what i said about nanu i think i think everyone's natural reaction was why are we using an international spot on a backup keeper and once again i don't think they would go get this guy if they didn't at least see him as a chance to start like you said jimmy is not old for by keeper standards you know obviously he's not young but he's not like you know it's not like he has one year left and he's going to retire but he, for a keeper, he's had a lot of injuries over, especially last season, over the last couple of years. You know, you don't expect your keepers to be getting hurt with multiple muscle injuries in a season. Um, and I think also a lot of people's for initial reaction was to immediately compare it to the Felipe signing. And I don't think they're really that comparable. You know, like we're talking about uh, a guy who was, what, the third string keeper for Gremio compared to a guy who, like I mentioned, was basically the starter for a team in the Dutch league. 
like the levels of I think Felipe was actually playing for the like U twenties or reserve team for Gremio. So we're comparing the Gremio reserves to a team that plays in the Eredivisie. You know, like that's that's and this that's guy fair. is what four years older. He's four years older too. To I'm looking at his stats right now. Like last this season, so 21 to 22, he played 17 games. 20 to 21, he played eight games. 2019 to 2020, he played 18 games. So like that's pretty regular game time for several years for a keeper. So he that's, he's 100% way more experienced. Season. Yeah, that's yeah. and in this season it was because he only played half the season there. Who knows? You know, like I said, he it seemed like he had kind of lost his spot. And I was reading stuff from Utrecht fans on Twitter, and it seemed like they all kind of had the same opinion that he is capable of like world-class saves and some games he will keep you in a game single-handedly, but he's also pretty prone to that, uh, that occasional just like real brain fart moment, you know, not every game, but every several games you might see him kick the ball right to an attacker or something like that. But he's also capable of winning games for you at keeper. And like, just looking at his highlight reel, like Joe was talking about that triple save against Ajax, there were several just like, saves i was getting a haircut and just looking at his highlights and had almost like jaw dropping saves on several of like the highlights i saw so i'm excited for him i mean yeah an international spot on a keeper isn't ideal but if it's it's a six month loan to buy so it's even lower risk higher reward than nano to where you know with nano if he's bad you're you're i mean you're stuck with him for a whole year this guy he's just here until i guess it would be july so if he doesn't work out, then oh well, send him back, and you know you can go address the keeper backup keeper situation if you need to, or maybe Antonio Carrera is playing well for North Texas, and you're comfortable making him an MLS backup. You know, so I'm not too worried about if either of those signings go wrong. Um, the next now we're getting a little bigger in moves FC Dallas made, and this one I think I think uh, will make Walter happier than the other moves fc dallas went out and broke the mls record uh, as far as a trade goes for the amount of allocation money exchanged by dropping it's going to be about two million possibly another three hundred thousand in general allocation money for paul Ariola, a uh, somewhat u.s national team regular and dc united was a designated player for them he won't be here uh, Walter, you seemed pretty happy about that because that's the kind of move you've been waiting on them to make. Am I right? Absolutely, absolutely. Hit hit it hit a lot of points for me. Um, it, everybody wants to talk about skill, and um, you know, yes, he's kind of inconsistent for the U.S. national team. Um, he was a little inconsistent with. He's very injury prone. Um, you know, as, as we've seen both on, on the mm-hmm. MLS, uh, level and, and then the international level. Um, but in, in terms of, uh, what I think he could bring to the table, obviously if anybody stays healthy at, at his playing level, you know, it's, 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 it's a fantastic get. Um, but he, he knows the league. Um, you know, he's, we, we've seen him score freaking bangers left and right. Um, he's got that, that that leadership presence and, and he's got a lot of connection already. I mean, obviously with Pepe being out, uh, out of the team now, but, um, he knows a lot of these guys that are, that are coming through, you know, FC Dallas, he plays with, you know, Jesus Ferreira, which, which is something that, 
we don't we don't see a lot of uh, in FC Dallas in terms of at least recently with when it comes to attacking tandems. Um, so you, you, it just checks all these things out for me. Um, and I mean, name recognition by default um, yeah. with the huge U.S. fan base that we have here in DFW. Um, that's going to be a lot of jerseys being sold. Um, so there goes some of the, some of that makeup money. Um, it just hits a lot of bullets for me. Um, like I said, it, it, I'm, I'm a little cautiously optimistic, which is the recurring theme here, hey. um, with him just cause he is injury prone, but I, excellent signing. Like I, I, I couldn't be happy. Well, I mean, that's a lie. If we signed Messi, of course I could be happier, but <laughs> I mean, realistically speak, realistically speaking, I couldn't be happier about a signing. So. Yeah, we don't need a guy who's only scored one goal in in a league one. So, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm not a messy <laughs> hater, I swear. Uh, Joe, I I know I know. Uh, I think I don't know if it was because you were worried that he was going to be a designated player here, but I remember when I Joe and I basically just send each other a lot of FC Dallas related tweets during transfer window because we're all excited about stuff. And I know you weren't too keen on the uh, Paul Ariola trade at first. Was that just because you were under the impression he was going to be a designated player here too? or um, That factored into it, but I also was just w- weirdly as fans, we always get into the numbers. You know, we, I think we overrate, you know, the numbers in terms of like, oh, so this player went for this, this player went for that. How much can we get for this money? Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's not really our money, and it's not our business to run. And so, especially I, allocation money. Especially, yeah, it's allocation. not even real money. <laughs> exactly. So when I saw it, I was like, "What? Areola, two million to FC Dallas?" And in my head, you know, I I kind of had forgotten that FC Dallas had like a bajillion dollars worth of gam. And so in my yeah. head, I was like, "This is our biggest move of the offseason. Like, we're not going to do anything else. This is all we're getting." And so at first I was really weird about it. And then as over time, I was like, yeah, this is a great signing. Um, value wise. Yeah. Maybe he isn't worth $2 million with the gam, but if you have $2 million worth of gam to get this kind of player and you can go get yeah. it, go do it. And at the same time, just like all of the other signings we've been talking about, FC Dallas needs bodies. They need people on the field, in the training ground. You know, we were just talking about the goalkeeper situation the fact that we brought in the guy in on loan also just helps the fact that we don't have any goalkeepers right now. You know, if Jimmy's hurt or if he's not even in the States yet, then we're training with, you know, Carrera and like random people off the street. The draft um, picks. And so bodies, yeah. yeah. And so bodies wise, Areola just kind of fits the mold to where if you need somebody to grind it out on a random Wednesday night in the middle of August, he's going to be the guy that's going to be there leading the group still on the field doing what he has to do. And doing and you know all of that on top of the fact that he's not even a DP level on your contract, so you can still have opportunity to sign other people. Um, weirdly, like you know, he can kind of even play it as right back in a pinch if you need him to because he played in that five three two back mm-hmm. in the Honda days. Um, the more you just thinking about it, he just checks all the boxes that we've all been talking about. MLS veteran, a guy that you can plug in that you can go in all at once. Not a DP, but almost near that level. Um, isn't going to destroy your bank or your bank account to make other moves. And on top of that, just somebody that is familiar with everybody else that is in the system because he has worked with Nico in the past. So, you know, that's that. And, and that's, that's something that we, like we, we touched on. Um, that's, that's your coach paying dividends. I mean, I I don't think this trade would have happened obviously if Nico hadn't been on board. Um, but, 
and this is looking into it too much, of course, because we like Twitter. Um, but him, but him, uh, his rebuttal oh, yeah. about him supposedly trying to back out of, of going into Club America. I, I hope that doesn't translate into the field because let's be perfectly honest, no one wants to play in Dallas. <laughs> And it's not because of the team and it's not because of the people here or anything. Everybody wants to go play, you know, at LAFC. Everybody wants to go play New York Red Bulls. Some people want to play in Seattle. Some people want to play in, you know, in Miami, what have you. I hope that doesn't translate onto the field. And like I said, hopefully it's just me looking at it too much. But, you know, hopefully he, you know, uh, he's that stand up guy and, and, you know, that relationship with Nico and all of the national team players of the team holds him here. Yeah, and yeah. Apparently, sorry. oh, go ahead, Joe. I was just gonna say, and to touch on that, I mean, if you look at every single spot he's been at, whether it's in DC, whether it's Tijuana, whether it was in Swansea for a second, whether it's the national team, he puts in the effort. So I, I'm not really too afraid of that. But you know, it is also something that goes in the back of people's minds because if we're talking about MLS kind of screwing people over, they've done it twice now in this certain window. So. I can get the concerns, but for the most part, I think I'm still excited to have him on the field because it looks like he's going to try and do his best. But I'm buying his jersey day one. Yeah, I don't even care what the jersey this year looks like. I'm buying it day one. They did. Uh, they did actually right before or the day we're recording this. They did sign him to a new deal. Like he he only had two years left on his deal with DC FC Dallas before he's even touched down in uh in Dallas. Which by the way, uh, I believe Sunday night his flight is landing here. Uh, El Matador has all the plane details. If you, if you're listening to this and you're interested in meeting uh, Paul at the airport and getting him to sign your nipple or something, like go ahead and do that. Um, <laughs> it might be frowned upon, but nipples are COVID friendly. Um, so, like with Paul, like I think I'm not a huge fan of him on the national team, and that's just because you look at the other options the U.S. have over him. And I'd prefer Tim Weah over Paul Ariola. But guess what? If I'm picking players for FC Dallas, Tim Weah is not an option for me, you know? Christian Pulisic, Brendan Aronson, these aren't options for FC Dallas. Paul Ariola is on the national team because he's a good player, you know? I know everyone thinks that it's just some kind of coach's pet or coach's favorite thing. But it's like, well, maybe there's a reason he's one of the coach's favorite players is because he plays his ass off every time he's on the field. And it seems like he's been somewhat of like a fan favorite in every team he's played for, except for the national team. But I don't care about national team fans. They're idiots. Um, But, you know, like DC fans all seem very upset to see him go. And uh, all the people I saw who are America fans seemed really pumped to maybe get him, which I was kind of surprised by. And like, he's, yeah, it's easy to be like, Oh, 2 million and a record for a trade for Paul Ariola. But like Joe said, like, if you it's makeup money yeah it's fake money and think about if you want to if you want to like a like an example of how much money fc dallas has and allocation money the only other team that was battling with them for the trade was charlotte who <laughs> don't even have a full <laughs> roster yet and and there, expansion teams get it. like two and a half million extra dollars in allocation money just because you know they need it they don't have a roster they need to build a roster so they get millions extra in allocation money and fc dallas outbid them for Ariola. i think it may have come down to you were talking about if he wants to be here or not it seems like he asked to be traded from dc because their new coach and that system isn't very player friendly you know they play like a super defensive and like pressing 
it's like a three, four, three, or at times he's playing wing back. Sometimes he's playing winger and uh, you know, they're, they're in a big rebuild because they're trying to find players that fit that system. And he's not exactly that fit, but he still put up six goals and two assists in 20 games last year, which isn't, isn't bad. I, I honestly thought I was scared for half a second that like we, we, we use fake money to then flip them for real money to go to America. <laughs> yeah. Cause that yeah. would have been, that, that would have been so FCD to do. So it was like, uh, God, who else did we get that we traded off? Uh, fucking what's his name? Jerk face from SKC in Orlando. Uh, Dwyer. Sydney LaRue's. Dwyer. Uh, yeah. Dwyer. <clears throat> yeah. That Dwyer. one was, <laughs> I didn't even, I, yeah, I guess I didn't even, I didn't even address the um, the draft too much, just because I don't watch college soccer enough to matter. give to it, give. It doesn't matter right now. Accurate, you know, accurate uh, reviews of these players, you know. But you brought up that trade that that was a good idea of FC Dallas being pretty pretty aggressive, and you know they spent a little bit of money, and really it just came down to we didn't plan on buying anyone out this year. I know everyone's like, oh, we should have bought out Frank O'Hara. But then you still got to go sign another backup striker. And there are plenty of worse backup strikers out there than a guy who scored seven goals last season, you know, and is from all accounts, like the ultimate professional and hard trainer. Yeah, it sucks that he makes $3 million a year. But at this point, you kind of just like, that's not going to change. You're just stuck with it. He's got one more year in his deal. You just fight it out. Uh, Maybe like Quinone, you could have bought out. I think they'll give him another year. Yeah, like they there wasn't anyone that they needed to buy out right now. So if you can basically get the number three pick just for buying out Dom Dwyer, and that doesn't like affect you cap wise, it's literally just here's money out of my pocket for Dom Dwyer's, let's say $200,000 salary. It's like, okay, so you, you spent $200,000 cash to get the number three pick and a guy that a lot of people think has the highest upside in the draft, you know? So yeah, with it- Ariola. <clears throat> and go ahead, Joe. Just kind of just on the draft thing. I mean, uh, I I kind of just kind of just trust FC Dallas when it comes to the draft at this point, because a lot of these players, yeah, they're they're not going to be tearing it up the first two seasons, but n- like you can hopefully get a Nikosi, or you can hopefully get a Walker Zimmerman, or a Matt Hedges, or even just like a Tuamasi, where yeah, it takes three years or four years to finally get to an MLS level starting level. But, like, at the same time, you know, those are draft picks that nobody even knew about anyways. And we certainly mm-hmm. couldn't, couldn't tell you anything about it. So when it comes to the draft, I'm just kind of like, oh, okay, cool. They got this guy. Yeah, oh, they got this guy. Yeah. And then four years down the road, it's like, oh, okay. So he panned out. That's pretty cool. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. It's fun to watch all the uh, all of a sudden college soccer experts pop up every year. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's like, we've seen the TV viewer numbers. We know that... No, this many people cannot be watching (laughs) the game. I do think we'll get to a point where the draft is cut down to like one round. And then then you'll even see teams passing in one round, you know, like it's kind of hard to take Mm -hmm. it seriously when half the teams pass in the third round. And most teams are just picking players for their reserve teams, you know? So it's basically the USL league one or MLS next pro draft. Um, Mm -hmm. With Ariola, I mean, like I said, the whole allocation money thing is very confusing. But just to give you an idea of how easily FC Dallas covers two million, you're able to get up to like you can convert transfer fees into up to one point zero five million dollars in allocation money. So the Pepe sale, Testament sale, boom, there you go. Ariel is covered. You know, there's there's and that's just allocation money. Obviously, they still had 
you know, 17, 18, 19 million dollars left from the Pepe deal and cash to spend. And uh, so, you know, he was a DP. He won't be a DP here. You know, he's a pretty easy player to buy down with the leftover buttload of uh, allocation money they have. They signed him to a new deal. Once again, he's he's not going to be a new deal. It's possible he's probably making about the same. He was making exactly one million according to the salary list last year. I'd imagine it's a similar amount now, but he's just locked in for longer. So I would say an Areola jersey would probably be a pretty safe uh, investment as far as I don't think he's going to be sold to Europe anytime soon. You know, I'm I'm always really careful with jerseys of who I get on the back because. I'm not trying to buy a jersey of a guy who gets sold in six months. So I would say Ariel is a pretty safe bet, Walter. So go for it. I don't care about that. Well, no, actually, though, that's that's not true. I do care because uh, you get a Reggie jersey. Speaking, I bet I did get a Reggie jersey. <laughs> um, I got Hedges, Blas. I'm trying to remember who else I got. I can't remember right now. Matt Hedges, but what a guy. Pretty spot on picks. Matt's probably the same. Oh, I'm sure y- y'all know him very. I, I hear you guys know him very well, actually. How's his swing game? Really good, dude. Ass. It was it was pretty impressive. He had anyway. he had he had a little viewership party at the at Top Golf. Pretty jealous of his. <laughs> I guess athletes are just good at sports. So I guess that's how that works. Um, so we we were talking about how they the Pepe cash and you know they spent the allocation money from that on uh, the Ariola trade. They weren't done yet, boys. They went and signed from Independiente, Alan Velasco, for what is, I think the final numbers were $7 million up front and then $1.7 million in incentives. Obviously, a club record, I believe, times two and even more than that. I think they spent a, like about $3 million on Brian Acosta. Yikes. Um, Colorado Rapids own Brian Acosta. Um. So we're talking, you know, more than twice the previous record for one player. Man, this one was a fun one to follow uh, on Twitter. And it's cool to see how mainstream news certain things are in other countries. You know, like you're looking at ESPN Argentina with more tweets about in one day about Alan Velasco than I think ESPN has tweeted about MLS and the entirety of the league's existence. Um, so, I mean, this, this is a game changing kind of signing from the standpoint of money being spent, you know, obviously like they got 20 million, they better spend some of it, but they very easily could have just spent a couple million on a couple guys and then been like, Oh, you know, um, we're improving, you know, the Academy and blah, 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 you know, just lied about where else it's being reinvested. I don't think any, any of us expected them to go drop almost 9 million on one player. Uh, I mean, Walter, do you have any expectation of them to legitimately reinvest that money? <laughs> I was very doubtful. I was, I was especially doubtful when the chiefs lost and I'm like, well, <laughs> I was yeah, like, well, it was pretty that. much done already by that point. Yeah, yeah. That's, that was pretty much it. Um, I mean, I, but you, I saw the hype. Um, <laughs> on uh you know their their twitter feeds down south and anytime you searched Alan Velasco yeah. you know it was it was real after real after real after real after real and I'm just like okay 
Okay. So maybe it's not uh, an unknown South American. It is a South American, but a, not a completely unknown South American player, which is a nice change. Uh, I didn't know anything about the kid. Unfortunately, I don't watch a lot of Colnebol. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll leave it up to you guys on what you guys have seen on him. But uh, the kid is good. I mean, there's there's no denying it, right? There's no denying it. And you got you to gotta keep up with everybody else at some point. Everybody else is making these big splash signings. You have to hell, as well, especially Houston. with uh, – Yeah, Houston. Dropped $6 million. Yeah, yeah. So um, exciting. I mean, biggest signing since tomorrow, maybe. Hopefully, I guess we'll have to see how it plays out on the we'll field. See. I mean, we'll see. Money wise, we'll see. I mean, not even money wise. I'm talking about impact wise. Yeah, he, he's he's not Arangis. He's not yeah. <laughs> Cerilliano. He's not. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, he's. I mean, it's got to be. It's got to be uh, figuratively speak in terms of numbers and everything. It's, it's got to be the biggest signing in the club's history. Joe, I know you're excited because, like I said earlier, you and I were texting about this often, and we were both very, very, uh, very invested in this saga. So I'm sure you're all in on the Alan Velasco hype train. Dude, yes. Yes. This is one of those signings where you just get hyped. You just, you're, you know, to get in the crust off your eyes, and you're just looking at whatever new rumor mill comes on to see when it finally happens. Um, no, well, so I'm the only reason I knew about him was because I love playing FIFA, and he's a manager mode like career legend or like if you're yeah a he's a manager, he's a football manager yeah. career mode yeah, yeah. Uh, he's an yeah. FM people legend. who play those games know yeah. yeah exactly and so you're just like you're just like FC Dallas like this kid that has a potential to be an 86 overall 87 overall <laughs> or you know in in normal terms like a world class player like one of the best in the world and you're just like what are you talking about like this is just one of those weird rumors that just shit doesn't happen uh but then you look at who's saying and, it, and it's like oh this is argentina's you know tier one source this is another tier one source this is a, another guy that's like you know a bigger source and you're just like wait this is you know these this is becoming real um you know you know so when i i saw him on career mode and i've <laughs> i had bought him a couple times or whatever um, I looked at some of his highlights, and he loves to just like cut into his right and shoot it. He's not like a Fabian Castillo in terms of pace, but he is a quick on the ball. He's a quick dribbler. He's he's good in tight spaces. He loves a little shimmy. He loves to cut back onto his right foot. He plays predominantly on the left. Um, but then, like you know, once it starts to become real, and you start to read more comments, and you just see that his value is worth more globally usually and other than this certain circumstance than just seven million um and so if you can get a player that's you know generally worth 10 to 15 million dollars for seven million and you know a guy that could potentially be a world class like you know what isn't there to be excited about also it's double whatever your biggest transfer is and potentially one of the bigger you know young younger signings for just the league in general uh so yeah i was definitely hyped uh, and I'm still really excited, even if he has his up and downs this season. I generally think this guy could be something special. Now, what what do you see him as, though? Um, because I I don't think he's a number ten, correct? He's more no, of he's a, a attacking, he's, yeah, like a winger. Like, he's kind of he's winger. mostly just a winger, yeah. Because he, because he's listed as a forward, but I don't I didn't see that. 
I think uh, so. Okay, he's one of those guys that you could probably play across anywhere the across the front. Yeah, yeah, not not really a striker, but if you wanted to play him as like a ten or on either side on the wing, I think there's, like, I think there's a possibility he could play some as one of like the attacking eights for the in in the Nico system, but I think he's probably best as a winger. And um, so so Corona Linus. That like, type, yeah, run at guys. Kind of... They're they want to run at you. They they want to run. Okay. Yeah, okay. if you watch like his highlights, he's he's very much got the. He's a tiny guy. He's like five six, but he's yeah. got he's really deceptively strong, and he's got that crazy low center of gravity to where he's like fighting dudes off and throwing them on the ground. He's got dudes literally trying to tackle him from behind, and they're just bouncing off of him and stuff. And he's just dribbling dudes and megging dudes. Like he's gonna be a lot of fun you know it may not i don't expect him to be like 20 goals plus assist guy right away but he's going to be a game changer just with his dribbling ability and his playmaking and he's going to be a hell of a lot of fun to watch and uh the fc dallas attack just got a lot more entertaining when you add Ariola, velasco and then now you got jesus playing up there like that's that's a fun front oh, three. Th- th- throw in a healthy Paxi. And... Yeah, and you're finally going to see Oof. Paxton in midfield. You're going to see Brandon Cervania, and that's going to be a fun. Shun, you get, we'll get some. She'll probably still get some minutes, you know, off the bench. And like I was saying, I think it's possible that Velasco could play some in the middle, and then I guess that would open up Shun on the left. You know, I'm not even if you're not the biggest Obreon guy. Like his stats for especially the second half of last season were solid. Like if you can bring a guy like that off your bench, like the FC Dallas wing depth has got to be one of the best in the league now. When you're talking about Velasco, Ariola, Shun, Obreon, hell, even guys like apparently that one of the guys they drafted that Siki, I forgot his last name, guy. Everyone from everything I've heard is that he is he's a beast in training, and that they're all really surprised, and that they're you know they're as high on they might be higher on him than their other picks that were way earlier in the draft. So, you know, there's and then you got guys like Khalil and then Redzich. Like there's a lot of a lot of potential and a lot of bodies on that wing position. Um, so much so that some of those guys are going to have to learn to play some center mid because uh, they need bodies in other places. And there's not going to be minutes for all those guys in the wing. But, uh, you know, like I, I, I get that people are saying like, oh, well, if this kid's so good, then why is he coming here? And then, like, you got to look at the circumstances around it. Now, his value, Joe, you were talking about how, you know, he's kind of widely considered to be worth more than that. I mean, his value in transfer market, which obviously isn't 100%, but, I mean, hell, you've got Toronto FC's president or whatever saying that's how they signed Insigne, was he just looked at players on the Italy national team whose contract were expiring, and he saw Insigne, he's like, let's go sign that guy. Um, I think it was like $13 million for him on there. And then uh, apparently they were telling Atlanta they wanted twenty million for him just like a year ago, yeah. and that's when Atlanta switched to this uh, Almeida guy, and so Atlanta backed down. And then Independiente is in terrible financial situation right now. So if you're wondering why they would be willing to sell him for so little, it's because they literally had to cover. They owe, they're basically Boavista in Argentina. They owe money from past transfers to where they were going to get a transfer ban if they didn't pay off some of these debts by the end of January. So they needed cash and guess which team all of a sudden has a lot more cash than usual to spend than the team who just sold a guy for $20 million. 
Um, Zenota said he's been tracking this guy for years and years and years before he was even with FC Dallas. He's been aware of him. Um, you know, he's he's widely considered one of the like was one is was considered one of the best prospects in Argentina, like top five. You know, people were comparing him to the next uh, Sergio Aguero, stuff like that, because he plays for the same team that he used to. It's 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 exciting. It's a game changer. It's you know, it's everything I've wanted FC Dallas to do as far as showing some ambition. You know, we talked about like a guy like Ariola going in the league and spending a lot of money and getting MLS proven guys, and then Nanu and our buddy uh, Martin Baez. Um, like we all see the oh, all FC Dallas does is sign dudes from Colombia and Venezuela that for cheap. And well, guess what? They went out and got a right back who's was in uh, playing in Liga Nos. They went out and got a keeper who's playing in the Dutch league. They went out and spent eight million dollars on one of the best prospects in Argentina. You know, like they went out and got a guy who plays for the national, the U.S. national team. Like these are the kind of moves I've been begging for FC Dallas to make for years. You know, so I'm, you're not going to find me complaining about them overspending fake money on Ariola or, oh, what if this kid doesn't come in and work out? I don't care. The Hunts will still be able to put food on the table, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. now it it would suck if they're like, oh, then they shy off from ever making moves like this again. You know, maybe they think twice about signing a guy for $8 million if this doesn't work. But, like, I, it's not the same as Atlanta spending $15 million on Barco, you know? Like, your room for error for selling a guy for more is pretty low whenever you're spending $15 million, you know? Because asking for $20 million is a lot, you know? So... I think it's very easy for FC Dallas to realistically see we can get at least 10 for this guy in a couple of years, if not way more, if he plays well, you know, he's 19 years old. Like, yeah, that's, that's a child. Basically, you know, that's, that's, that's really kid. young. Yeah. Doug is younger than you guys. It is now. Yeah. Considerably. Yeah. Yeah. Six years younger. <laughs> Fucking old. Yeah. I know. But he's that's... four years younger than like three or four years younger than Paxton. Yeah. You know, he's, you would be the youngest. Jesus is a couple years. Jesus is three years older than him. Yeah, you'd you know? be the youngest starter on the team, I think, if he plays. Starter, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, now that Che's gone, yeah. Yeah. And and I'm so trying to think of who the youngest guys are. But yeah, go ahead. so this team yeah. gets us into the playoffs. Right? Sure. What what's missing? Because all all eleven players have to link, right? What's missing? I think there are some big question marks. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily anything that's missing. It's just the question marks as to what you get out of guys like Matt Hedges. You know, like last year was obviously a rough year for him with injuries. And uh, I mean, according to the man himself, he feels really good. And he was struggling last year, you know, first hand source. Yeah. Source, huh? <laughs> if he can if he can play defense as well as he can swing a golf club, uh, I think he'll be all right. He looked healthy, and, you know, definitely everyone who's been out of training. I've heard about how he just looks. He looks like Matt Hedges of old. You know, he doesn't he's not struggling to move around. I was at games last year watching him like just walk out in the field. And there was like a noticeable like little lean in his walk just because that hip was like they're saying it's basically like a broken hip that he had you know like yeah. it was like a like a fracture in there where those kind of things will really limit your mobility and your ability to turn quickly which guess what when you're playing defense that's a whole lot of turning your body quickly and if you can't do that very well you're gonna get burned you know so if he's healthy 
Uh, I think Ryan needs to have a bit of a bounce back here. Um, hope- we can keep Martinez healthy. I think. Yeah, I, I think he's better than what he showed last year. But even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't play, as long as Nkosi plays similar to what he did last year, Nkosi and Matt, that's fine. You know, like that's a solid MLS pairing if Matt is healthy and Nkosi just keeps developing the way he seems like he's developing. Um, Surreal versus Quinone is going to be a battle for one of them to win out as the starting holding midfielder. Um, I think that might be really the the biggest question is that position, but they they can't really go get anyone else in because they're paying Quinone, you know, eight hundred thousand dollars a year, and then if they go buy someone else, then uh, I mean, he Quinone better step up, man, because that he he was rough to watch. Yeah, a he lot was... of times. I mean, I I admittedly, you know, and you guys know that I I kind of started tapering off towards the end of the season, like in terms of watching, because it just wasn't worth it. But the, <laughs> what what I saw from Quinone, brother, it was rough. Like he's he was getting tossed around. Apparently, he's he's he lost some weight, around. and uh, he looks a little trimmer. And uh, I was looking at pictures from like stuff from FC Dallas post that he did look noticeably like thinner you know like he did he looked a little heavy at points last year and he was definitely a little slow and uh somebody somebody took him to pecan lodge yeah he, yeah he did he was on that eric hasley diet um <laughs> joe what's your big question mark or area of concern if it's that significant for fc dallas uh i mean you kind of touched upon it right there there's about three areas that are what's the three areas of the field you look at your defense and you kind of just hope that you can kind of salvage what was a really good defense to start the year last year that turned into just complete i mean dog shit let's just call it that <laughs> um but if you think if you if you if you give me a healthy matt hedges and a fresh nikosi i think you have a great at least mls level center center back pairing because the nikosi speed and agility can kind of balance just basically mm-hmm. matt's greatest assets and mentality and his defending and everything and you still allow him to recover a little bit from you know some of his last year's injuries. I think your outside backs, Ryan generally is a really good outside back. So hopefully it's just a bounce back year because last year was such a shit shit so shit show. Um, but right back is also one of those things where you know whether Nanu kills it or if he doesn't, Tuamasi can do it. Um, but you know I personally want to see this. I want this year to be the year that Cerillo. Cerillo, Cerillo, however you want to say it, comes in to his own. I mean, the kid is, what, closer to 21, 22 now. You have years of MLS experience. We saw Victor Oyoa get into there. We saw Kellen Acosta get in there. We saw Pax try to move into that spot where, dude, you're at that point now where, you know, I think I want him to battle for that CDM spot because Guignon, I mean, if Guignon pans out, then we're talking about raising our level our, our floor of this team because a great, a great CDM in this league is kind of what you need. But if yeah. he doesn't, I want Serio to come in and dominate and do what he needs to do to win that spot. So that's one of my biggest question marks is can Serio do that or is Quinone fit enough to actually cover ground? Because last year, like you said, he just looked heavy and he didn't look necessarily terrible. He just wasn't great. Yeah. And we got really he, used to having Thiago Santos or Grezo just be amazing at that spot. Yeah. And so the ability it, to cover ground. Yeah, was, and that that's the thing. You that just drop need to cover off ground, so and you need to cover ground in this new formation where you're the lone six, where you're the lone pivot. And so that's what I'm saying. For Cerillo, you're you're either trying to become an MLS level starter, possibly national team level fringe player, or 
you're just going to be, you know, a backup MLS player for the next upcoming years. And obviously the CDM spot, we, we, you need some more wisdom. But we've yeah. seen younger guys come in here like Brezzo and Acosta just really win those spots open. So that's kind of where we, I'm at. That's another position we've been spoiled at that for the longest time ever since Kellen and, and Vic. Yeah. You know, two two of uh, arguably, you know, the best. I mean, uh, Kellen's more attack-minded nowadays, but mm-hmm. like two of some of the best CDMs we've ever mm-hmm. seen. Um God, Diego Santos. That that that, was that, a beast. that dude was a beast. Yeah. Like I, he, he was a little rougher on the edges, but geez, that 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 was your that was your dog right there. That I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, but yeah, that's and Grezzo. Grezzo was Grezzo. Grezzo. Oh, yeah. he's a top yeah, top three, top five level CDM in the entire league, and so I would probably say in the world, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. He, he was basically Casemiro, um, you know. Yeah, yeah. if you. So. Once again, relating it back to the U.S., which I think is a very fair thing to do, considering how FC Dallas will probably set up. You see how much Tyler Adams does for the U.S. defensively. It's where that dude is everywhere, and you can get away with playing a guy like Serginho Dest, who isn't the most defensive at right back, or Anthony Robinson at left back. Because guess what? Whenever they get isolated one-on-one, there's Tyler Adams sprinting his ass across the field to be their help. Mm-hmm. And breaking plays up to where teams can't even get a counter attack off because Tyler Adams goes flying from forty yards out of nowhere to break a play up. And man, it, it would be fun if Carlos Garrezo was here because he would be the perfect yeah. guy for that role. And that's when I, I keep talking about the ability to cover ground. Santos wasn't fast really, but he he just seemed like he had a good read on the game where he's always in the right place. There were so many times where he would just one man single handedly break up plays and. You know, Surio, Surio's gonna have to, you know, show he can be that, or like you said, hopefully Quinone can offer more than he did last season. I don't think he was as bad as some people say he was, but Fuck you. <laughs> um, he's he's definitely for the amount he's making, he's he's got to be better. So, and then we haven't mentioned this yet, but really, the, my biggest area of concern is the depth for the the more box-to-box guys because yeah. if you look at the depth chart now it's basically paxton and and brandon Cervania, which i'm fine with i think i think we all have been waiting for paxton healthy paxton unleashed in the middle and i think we're finally going to get it and it seems like everyone around the team is excited for that especially paxton no more him on the have wing another target now it won't be him it'll be probably velasco there everybody's after yeah that's true you don't have to worry about him uh getting hacked as much or paxton's kind of the one who does the hacking let's be honest that dude's that's gonna be fun to watch him back in the middle just running around like a crazy person and then uh brandon i think Cervania showed a lot at the end of last season to show that he can be an mls starter and he's obviously young to where you know who knows what he can be in a couple years but once you get past them, you're looking at Nicky Hernandez, who was the first round draft pick last year, who wasn't good enough to win a starting spot for North Texas last season. Um, and then it's guys who aren't even on the roster technically yet. They're like Blaine Ferry, who played for North Texas last year and impressed. And then it's a whole lot of guys playing like, oh, this guy could play there. Like, oh, um, that draft pick, Siki, who's a winger, has been playing there in preseason. You know, Ariola, there's talks he could play there. I haven't seen him play there very much. I know he can play there. Uh, even, like, Tumasi, I think, could see some time there. Like, we seen, we saw him a couple times at center mid last season. He actually looked really good. 
he's kind of the like a region of Ryan Hollingshead where you can literally throw him anywhere on the field and he'll put in a shift. But that's a whole lot of, you know, like, ah, oh, this guy could probably do it. And not a whole lot of this guy plays this position actually to where they need to make a signing there. And I think they're going to, cause they did make a trade for an international spot with Seattle that they haven't used yet. Um, you know, the, the European window is closed and that's just for players coming in, but the MLS window hasn't even technically opened yet. So there is time for them to bring someone in. And uh, I really hope they do. And I hope they don't wait until the summer because we all, we all know Paxton's not the most reliable guy. I don't want to go into a season with no backup plan whatsoever for him or Cervania. You know, that's, that's, that's playing a risky game. So hopefully there's a, a, uh, center mid signing somewhere in the works and then i'm ready to go full-on optimistic fc dallas fan take out the cautiously i'm ready to go if they <laughs> sign a midfielder yeah yeah that's that's kind of the we because we're talking about our our positions on the field that we are kind of worried about this one is just more like do we have any bodies for this because if you look yeah. at that center mid spot, whether it's call-ups, whether it's injuries, whether it's just fatigue, box to box, just, you know, you go at it for 90 minutes. And so yeah. if you only have two starters on there and not two backups, you literally just have two starters and that's it. You're going to need bodies there. And technically, even Cervania can even be, a, you know, a really serviceable backup if you need them to. Um all the signs point towards there being another move outside of the league, you know, maybe a South American somewhere. Uh, but we need another center mid. We need another um, seven or number eight that's just going to pivot off of the uh, – just go off that pivot and just go up and down. Um, yeah, so uh, – yeah, They need so their Eunice Musa. Yeah, they need the Eunice Musa. To Paxton's Musa. Weston McKinney. Exactly. They need another. Um, I will say they don't have any designated player spots because uh, we didn't really touch on it, but you know, Jesus is now a, a young designated player. Congrats to Jesus. That boy is going to be making about $2 million a year now. Um, so, yeah, pressure's on him. We're going to see him play as a striker, actually, which, you know, he that's what he was before. Um, so there's no designated players. So it, my bet what it would be one of those U22 initiative kind of guys is who they'll sign in the center mid. Um, you know, there's that rumor of that Brazilian guy that they're saying FC Dallas offered $10 million for him. And then Zanota just came out and said, like, no, that's not true. We didn't we're not interested in this player, which is pretty rare for them to just usually they'll just say, like, oh, um, we have not made any offers. Blah, blah, blah. But to just straight up say, like, no, nah, we're not interested in this player. I thought it was kind of strange. Um, I think it might have been a FC Dallas trying to send a message like, look, y'all aren't going to use us for leverage. Uh, you know, teams like to use MLS for leverage for big money contracts and stuff like that. And especially FC Dallas is going to be involved in it now because everyone knows they just got $20 million for a player. So they know that they're going to be the ones willing to spend some cash. So, Yeah, when is uh, Javier oh, Pastore going to sign this year? I was actually right. just thinking about that earlier. I was like, that rumor would make more sense now, but I don't I don't know how that would work salary-wise. It's, it's going to have to be a U22, a, a player like... Well, I guess that guy would have to have been a DP because if you're paying $10 million for a guy, he's probably going to be a designated player. But yeah, it'll be interesting. They they need bodies there, man. I'm, I'm, I'm worried about, you know, someone gets a red card or Paxton 
not even gets hurt. Just like, hey, we're playing three games this week. I'd prefer Paxton to not play 90 minutes in each game just to manage his minutes. Uh, we need someone to play that isn't yeah. just like a winger. Is like, I'll, I'll play there. It's like, no, we need we need actual depth. Yeah, and we and we went from having you know tons and tons of center mid depth last year just to mm-hmm. now only having two players there. So it's a little bit weird, but I'm sure before the season starts, hopefully they'll bring in some players, whether it's you know just Nikki Hernandez or you know it, like whether it's just the South American signing plus you know another MLS trade or something. Hopefully that'll happen. But that's, that's true. Yeah, I, I didn't think about it. it. Could be a trade. Yeah. Yeah. Roster construction wise, that's kind of the only concern. But other than that, I think so far when you're looking around the entire system, whether it's top down managers to the players, FC Dallas has done a pretty good job. They've done a pretty good job, and you know we don't ever not that we don't ever want to give props, but there's a lot of pessimism because it's just the way that they've run their 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 club the last I don't know decade, twenty five years, and. This might be the first off season where we're all just kind of like, yeah, hey, good job. You do what you didn't. You did what you needed to do. Let's finish on this. Give me a B-plus. grade. That's funny. He's... <laughs> Damn, I'm glad. Yeah, what what just happened here? Okay, give me a grade on the FC Dallas off season. We'll do two this point. Uh, Walter, I, B plus, B plus, B plus, B plus. That's actually exactly what I was going to say too. <laughs> Add a good midfielder. I'll go. I'll go one, to the yeah, A's. Just one more signing. It, 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 just just a pause, real quick. I, I like that our biggest complaint the past I would maybe say five six years have been oh we haven't signed a number nine we haven't signed a number we're not worried about a number nine now even yeah. though we don't really Jesus is really our only viable number nine anyway B plus B plus what are you giving Joe uh, yeah I'm gonna give it an A. I I kind of want to I kind of want to be that guy that's like A plus and if there's a new signing it's an A plus plus that's a little weird <laughs> so I'm just gonna say Nerd. A because dude whether it's FC Dallas or whether it's you know New York New York City FC or any other team in MLS if you're gonna get one of the best prospects in South America not even just Argentina on this side of the hemisphere you know one of the top three prospects there like dude it's you've done a great job also plus. Fill other positions, fill your coaching staff, um, kind of showcase that you want to do things differently. I think this is one of the best off seasons. I think I, I think it is the best off season I've ever seen this club do. And then if you do find another center mid that is promising or is just really good, then uh, you, you know I'll bump you up to an A plus because you know there isn't much more that that you could realistically realistically do just because we understand that you know transfers take a while and there's a lot of effort that go into them. Yeah. So I'm excited. I, I would have, and I would have said uh, a, a midfielder, CDM or or an eight, uh, would have elevated us to an A. That's true. Uh, some shade in the fucking stadium <laughs> would have been an A. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. I that, will say anyway. On the note, I've heard murmurs of those who have spoken to Dan Hunt of uh, some plans for maybe in closing that concourse on the east side of the stadium and then and and uh kind of like how the west side you know there's the club that kind of closes in mm-hmm. the whole side of the concourse something along those lines with some shade structure and uh we can hit on this real quick because real quick just because it's it drove me crazy when i heard it so you know we heard the talks of fc dallas was getting a new uh vice president of marketing i think was the title oh yeah never mind so they won't got him. plus now sorry about that because <laughs> they wouldn't got him and he seems like a 
seems like a good like he clearly knows what he's doing as a marketing guy you know he worked for the cowboys he worked for the mavs he worked for mcdonald's um dollar menu tickets will not be coming i don't think um but you know it seems like he really wants to go in on the family environment like of the and by family environment i mean these are actual um things that he's doing they're not, they're not going to bring the puppies back at halftime are they oh i'm That's down for that 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 would be great yeah, yeah. The best halftime show for the Mavs is the dogs catching frisbees. Bring that back. I'm down. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. No, it's that's fair. it's uh things like magicians roaming the North Concourse and bounce houses, um and little like art installation things that are meant just for posting pictures in. And I get that because you know, if you post they want to take advantage of blank space in the stadium to like make everything. Yeah, the North an opportunity. Concourse needs a little bit of help. Yeah, a magician though. Yeah, yeah. It seems like a lot of stuff. The where fuck it's is, like... is he going to pull a soccer ball out of his ass or like what? It was funny. Uh, what? It was funny. This, that, see, hold on. See, we, that's some. That's some. That's some like fucking Mickey Mouse Club shit though. Like <laughs> it's very minor league. You're elevated. You're elevating your infield experience now, and now you're going to go ahead and let the the game day experience oh my god save that shit for the rough riders man i know that's exactly oh what i said but i guess Fuck, man. they do god. we've i've said it before that they treat themselves more like the rough riders than competitors of the mavs rangers cowboys stuff like that like they're like we're we'll compete with the rough riders but you know i mean we'll see like like i said <sighs> the guy the guy clearly has a lot to learn about soccer but from what I've heard and then what I've heard from people who spoke to him, you know, guys who are in supporters groups is that he's very, he seems very willing to learn and that he, I mean, hell, like the dude had, like they had a meeting with him and he had the entire season already planned out all the themes, everything within like a month of starting the job. Like they were all incredibly impressed with how prepared this guy was. Cause it would have been so easy for him to blow them off. Like they do at all these meetings to just been like, Oh, you know, I, I'm just getting settled in. I don't really ha- I haven't had time to blow. but no, he had a full presentation. He showed like, this is what we're doing for this game, this game, this game, this game. We're going to have this mural in downtown Dallas. It's like one of those interactive murals. If you Google, or I mean, if you go to YouTube and search, it was like Mavs AR mural. It's one of those things where like you open it up and you scan it with your, phone and it's a like just like a mural that turns into like a highlight like on your phone it's really cool and like one of those in downtown and then i think some in the stadium and stuff like that stuff like stuff the big thing he wanted to do i think was a magician easy marketing you know where people are like posting pictures like them at the game and you know it's just free advertising yeah which makes sense but you know yeah you kind of use word of mouth marketing to your advantage more than anything else and elevate the game day atmosphere because you can't really elevate the game day atmosphere if nobody's talking about it nobody's going to go to your game so nobody's talking about it so i'm actually you know like i'm kind of more of like all right let's see what he has to give him a chance because you know just like you said there have been rumblings and murmurs of him actually just wanting to learn and do something significant with it just you know learn just how you might just have to learn that like magicians uh you just you just hear the word magician and you no one's gonna want to wear a fucking magician's yeah. outfit and go inside a box to disappear in hundred degree weather, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So the but, trick is that he died of heat exhaustion. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll see, right? You know, at least. Yeah, we'll. we'll yeah, see. We, we've been we've been starving for any game day experience that's worthwhile, 
And so just hearing ideas is still giving me just like, okay, cool. I I am going to say this though. The, I'm not trying to call, I know, I know some of y'all are cool with the social media team and it's not exactly up to them to push out content, but we've had games this week that I've known nothing about, even though there were preseason games, which is a little disappointing. Yeah. FC Dallas has always been so secretive about preseason. Except when they went to Argentina, because that was a full blown thing. Oh yeah. That was a whole ass thing. And and I, and I get it, but there hasn't even been any scores or anything. Like, I just want to know, Hey, like, where did they go? Playing? What happened? Yeah, yeah, they're supposed to play Orlando tomorrow. I think uh, that would I've be a fun nothing, one to stream. I've seen nothing about it on Twitter. Like when they played the U20s or whatever, I get not wanting to stream that. But anyway, like they're playing against another MLS team. Maybe Orlando was. Do you want? It. Yeah. Hopefully, because I'm kind of starved. Prop up an iPhone. Prop up an iPhone or a, yeah. a GoPro or something. Just do something. I mean, they've always been secretive about, about shit about like that. I'm sorry. Even like training, have... you know, like the black uh tarp around the field and stuff they've always been super secretive i think they they maybe overthink things like that like no one's gonna go spy on fc dallas training like Ariola hasn't even landed to the team yet we still haven't i think nanu's not even ready to play uh, i mean how much information can you really be giving out there about you know your yeah the, your the fans have the to season. dig that stuff up like yeah. basically beg the team for airport stuff like that like so shout out to like those over at el matador because i know those guys have been working on that for weeks and same thing with velasco they want to try to have a big turnout for him to show him like hey look we want you here we're excited you're here we know this is a big change like we're here to support you and stuff like that so you know, man, there's it's there's a lot a lot of change this off season, but I think we can all agree that it it seems to be for the good for the most part, and that uh, things are looking pretty optimistic around here for once. And for that, I am grateful. <laughs> Would you say things are looking magical? Uh, that's a, I like what you did there, sir. I thought it was an Orlando joke because they're in the magic. Yes, it was good. No, it wasn't. Uh, <laughs> I only care about one thing in Orlando, and that's Poppy, and that's it. Oh, thank you. I you were gonna say some drugs or something. Oh boy. Um, well, I mean, I don't know about y'all. I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty FCD talked out. So I think we pretty much hit on everything there. That's that was uh, we only had about a, almost a calendar year worth of catching up to do, and I think we did a pretty good job of <laughs> covering the main. Well done, team. Covering the main hot topics. Um, y'all have any last notes or anything? Uh, no, I, I've done this thing in the past where I've like said, oh, this team is really good and we're going to do great things. And then they've sucked each time. So this time I'm just kind of just going into the season, hoping things are going to get a little bit better. And, you know, just really excited with some of these signings, but at the same time, you know, if we're struggling early on, I'm not going to get, hopefully not get too, too crazy just because we understand that, you know, things are a little bit different this time, at least long term, it looks solid. So. It's a process, guys. Yeah, it's a process. <laughs> if you haven't heard, harped it's on. a process. Yeah. That's a Jolin. Yeah. Because the Mads are playing right now. They don't want to watch that. That's true. So let's get out of here. Yeah. Uh, FC Dallas are winning the 2022 MLS Cup. You heard it here first. Uh, <laughs> shout out to Matt Hedges. Just kidding. I'll take a playoff first. Yeah, shout out Matt Hedges, uh, Dan Hunt, in, and uh, in Andre Zanotto, we the trust. Magician. And the Magician. All right, guys, uh, we'll, 
I, I would say we'll see y'all soon, but who knows? You know, we'll, we'll try to get. Who knows? Out. Maybe maybe we'll suck and we'll get mad at this team again. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe when there's Ice Bowl 2023, we'll be back in your ear holes with some hot FC Dallas takes. But uh, thanks for listening, and uh, y'all stay safe out there. And uh, see you guys. Uh, maybe see you at the, the stadium. Maybe Peace. I'll see you guys at the stadium. Peace. Peace, y'all.